Hi, welcome to the Sage's Cabin podcast. I'm your host, Rox Madeira. So grab a cup of tea and come and join me in the Sage's Cabin as we chat about everything from herbal gardening, herbal medicine, movement practices, wild food, postnatal and just general well-being. Today's podcast, I'm talking with Cassie Bishop, um, and we're chatting about vaginal health and how herbal medicine can help. Um, and her new book is called It's Your Power Portal, which you can get from Aeon Books. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you do, please like, share, and subscribe. It was really fun. Cassie was really lovely. So enjoy. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. Nice to meet you. You too. Um, just to say the beginning before we start that um, I've got a one-year-old who's asleep, so she might wake up and I might have to go just run up and get her. <laughs> what, what, whatever is needed is cool with me. <laughs> I like your badger plate in the background. Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> the fact that you could like specialise in vaginal health uh, as a herbalist at all. If I, any, I was like, wow, <laughs> does it even cross my mind? It, there's a couple of us out there that do now, but not many people do. And it's, it's well, we'll, we'll get into it, but it's Women pre-menopausal but not pregnant, or post-menopausal women. Mm-hmm. Those are the main people I see. So, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. I've actually, yeah, I've actually helped. My cousin lives in Berlin, and one of her friends has a little girl that was in hospital with something vaginal. Oh wow! And she was like, she said that she showed her the pages in my book, and they sorted it out themselves. And oh, I was like. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that just makes having written that book worthwhile. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just that alone. Do you know? I think because when when like when I heard you say that, I was suddenly think because I've just I've just I've got two boys and I've just got a girl now, and I was thinking, yeah, do you know, I didn't even think about it, and I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't have any children myself, um, but um, my friends do. Um, and I've asked them about, you know, have they had any issues with their little girl's kind of vaginal health? And it's just not something that is really on people's radar until there's a problem. Yeah. 
so um yeah and there's things to be wary of as well in terms of could it mean abuse because there's things that little girls shouldn't really be experiencing um and things like that so yeah. so yeah <laughs> okay so maybe let's shall we start with just um maybe if you could just kind of say who you are and what you do <laughs> sure 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 so well first of all thank you for having me on it's great to meet you and I've really enjoyed your podcast that I've been listening to since you've been on my radar so my name is Kathy uh, Kathy Bishop I am a medical herbalist and I specialize in vaginal health um, I am also the author of It's Your Power Portal I'm all about um, vaginal care with herbs and holistic health and also the founder of Into the Wild um, and we make an intimate lubricant suitable for female physiology. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got, I've, I've, I've got a tube here <laughs> just, just for the visuals. <laughs> so when, when would you when would you use that? Um, why would you use it yeah I mean you can use it for daily comfort so I have postmenopausal clients that um and customers that are just using it for daily comfort um which is suitable for when people haven't got severe atrophy but just a little bit of dryness and discomfort um for anything that's kind of moderate to severe you might need to layer it up with something else as well but um primarily it's for people to use um during intercourse um yeah or kind of self-pleasure um that's the majority of our customers um yeah and it was really I had the idea for this right back when I was a baby herbalist at Westminster University going back hmm how, what year are we now going back over 15 years I think so I had the idea first of all around 2006 seven eight I'd say so that's 14 15 years ago and in our training clinic we um had a spate of seeing young women in their 20s that were getting intimate irritation after intercourse and obviously we were taking case histories and making up um indi individualized both topical and um tinge based um, remedies for them and I just remember standing in our dispensary as we were making up the topical the topical um prep for them and I just thought wouldn't that wouldn't it be amazing if there was something on the market that was so suitable for female physiology that it would just massively reduce the incidence and likelihood of this and I was like hmm okay interesting thought um so that kind of sat with me. It kind of was in the back of my mind for the rest of my time. I graduated in 2009, it was. Um, and, you know, the rest of student life kind of takes up, <laughs> especially when you're studying herbal medicine, doesn't it? It kind of takes up all the parts of all the parts of your mind you know the you know the patients you've got in clinic the um essays and dissertations and pieces you've got to get in and just absorbing everything as as much as you can you know mm -hmm. so that that idea is kind of very much lodged in the back of my mind um but it was there and after I qualified it just became clear that I was going to specialize in vaginal health which we can get onto why that is in a minute 
<laughs> if you want. But um, yeah, it just became really clear because of the patients that were coming to me and what I was really passionate about, I suppose. And um, and I just thought, I'm going to have to do something with this idea. I'm just going to have to do something with it because there's a real need for it. And the more people I speak to, the more I realise that there is such a need. So I thought, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a herbalist. I've got no idea about founding a brand, about creating a product. And I thought I can go down one of two ways. I can make something in my dispensary and then you kind of can sell it, you know, on kind of craft markets and that sort of thing or on the internet. And I don't think back in the days Etsy was such a thing, but I think eBay was. Um, or we can go bigger. <laughs> And we can make a product that is available on like a commercial scale that, you know, is available to as many people as possible, which I think I went, chose to go down that route because I really believed that it was needed by everyone. Yeah. So that's what I did. Was that quite, was that quite a hard, a difficult process or was? Um, it was basically I had to teach myself from the ground up everything from social media and marketing because I had no idea I didn't even have my own Facebook account I was really late to the party on that um and yeah then finding out about the process of um working with a manufacturer and how that um how they take your formulation and it's turned into a commercial formulation and looking at preserve preservative like natural preservatives and it was also really important to me to for us to be registered with the soil association as organic and um, with the vegan society as vegan because those are two um things that i feel are really important and because it's kind of giving an assurance of what you're putting in your body yeah because the vagina is possibly the most apart from your digestive tract it's possibly the most absorbent part of what I'm going to call your external body mm-hmm. because although obviously we think of the vagina as being internal it's it's still a space that is exposed to the outside world like your ear canal is exposed to the outside world yeah. you know that sort of thing it's the most absorbent part of the body um and yeah I, I think between 60 and 80 percent of what um is the vagina is exposed to gets into the bloodstream Hello. so that was really important to me apart from the fact that I believe in those things anyway the organic and vegan um movements yeah uh, so yeah so I think as you as, a, as a, anyone does when you go into these sort of ventures you bite off more than you know you can chew because or because you don't know what it is you're biting off I suppose <laughs> yeah so like every step of the way I was like right I need to understand this lot of stuff now so I'll go away and work out and learn how to do that and then you're you're in the flow of doing that and things are happening and then you realize there's another set of things you now need to learn for the next step so yeah it was very much um sort of like that and yeah it uh, so I had the idea say in 2009 in 2013 I was like right I'm gonna do something um and it took between 2013 and 2020 to launch so basically before we committed money to it I need I did two years of research before we committed any money whatsoever because I needed some that anyway that's massive divert but it yeah it 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 don't big biggest top tip (laughs) don't undertake starting a brand let alone a lubricant brand lightly because it's yeah you've got to be slightly crazy 
in a good way. <laughs> so, um, so is that is it just is it on available in shops and things or um, like on the internet or? Yeah, so we are available in quite a lot of um, independent health food stores. Also, Planet Organic and Revital. We are in talks with a couple of larger um chains as well but these things are really notoriously difficult to get into i didn't realize when i started out i was like we're going to be in boots my north star was like get it in boots because that's where most people go to get their stuff is boots um you know and interestingly um boots the guy that's that founded boots i guess mr boots he, I, bad, I should know his name. He <laughs> was, he had an apothecary and I believe he was a herbalist. Oh, wow. Okay. I believe. So there is, so there is definitely heritage there for that. So if anyone who's working the buying team in Boots is listening, get in contact with me because I've got a product <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that, that would, that is really still our North Star. And one day it might, may happen, you know, we're in, um, we're in chats with a couple of say a couple of sort of national chains that are similarly sized so that's good so that's cool yeah and of course you can get you can get it online um, that's exciting <laughs> yeah yeah we've um, got stores, so. so so what what like herbs have you got in in that in the loop yeah so we've got an aloe base and then we have got um calendula we have got a uh, marshmallow root we have got um oat straw and we have got white dead nettle Mm. interesting choices but i i i kind of captured i wanted to capture a kind of a spectrum of i'm gonna say the word ailments common vaginal ailments with those herbs and things that are really kind of nourishing for the environment because my philosophy of vaginal health is really about nourishing the space um and white dead nettle massively fallen out of fashion but if we've got any um yeah any herbalists that aren't working with white dead nettle listening go and check go and check it out go it has fallen out of fashion but it's got a great um history of being used for leucorrhea so um yeah it just i just i just felt really drawn to it for this product and we've got such amazing responses you know i get emails from so client customers I guess sort of weekly telling me about how wild one has kind of changed their lives in terms of their sex life it's it's meant that they are having more enjoyable intercourse with their partners um you know um that must be great for you to hear that you know that oh it's so nice it's really difficult to keep your ego out of it as a person as a human because (laughs) because this is bigger than me you know I've created something that's bigger than me um and it's not about me ultimately end of the day it's about people's experience and you know and promoting female physiology and breaking down stigma and taboo and things um but yeah it's yeah it's good it's I get job satisfaction yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So um yeah, no, it's really, really heartening. I'm just I just feel really blessed to be walking this path. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um so in general then, so how would you would you suggest that people uh, or is there anything you would suggest people do to look after their vagina health? 
generally i'd say if you've got no issue leave it alone doesn't need anything that's the that's my main top tip and i'd say you know okay so 75 percent. let's get some stats 75 percent of all women everywhere on the planet will experience thrush for example once in their lives um of that 75 percent, between five and nine percent of those women will go on to experience recurrent issue um so it's kind of highly likely that at some point in your life something's gonna bug you down there but for the vast majority of people it's just a one-time or two-time thing that happens mm -hmm. and if that's you thank your stars or your lucky stars um and just leave it leave it alone so um you don't, need, don't it's not even don't need to don't wash with soap <laughs> don't wash with soap so you can wash with soap where hair is growing on the outside on the mons area um and and if you go like into the labia you can just wash with water mm. um and the vagina just leave her well alone um i mean the vagina is kind of incredible in the fact that it kind of cleans itself that discharge that we that we get um especially if we're still cycling that has so many physiological functions one of them is to clear out dead cells um kind of microbes that have been killed and shouldn't be there and to clear all of that out mm -hmm. the vagina kind of does the work for us so if you're one of those people yeah just just keep on doing what you're doing be aware that at different points in your life different things can pick up so um I mean obviously the the most obvious one is um if we're looking at the kind of puberty and going into kind of cycling and that fertile phase of life mm -hmm. uh, the vagina goes from being not sort of dominated um by lactobacilli particularly lactobacilli are the good guys things that we want um in most cases inhabiting the vaginal microbiome to obviously when estrogen starts playing a role in in that that person's life um you will start proliferating um the lactobacilli so um you know there can be kind of changes for that um prepubescent and pubescent girl into kind of womanhood and you know things can be thrown up there because we've got um quite often hormonal fluctuations um looking at the kind of the later end of that spectrum as we're going out of the fertile phase and transitioning into uh sort of menopause and postmenopause, again big hormone fluctuations a lot of the vaginal microbiome is ruled by uh, estrogen. So you're going to be seeing changes there. And also in pregnancy, um, mm. you've got you've got changes around things. There. And people can experience thrush for the first time in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes that comes along with gestational diabetes. Um, sometimes not. <laughs> sometimes, you know, things can just be a different balance and they're, their vagina's going, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, everything sort of gets a bit crazy, doesn't it? So, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. And yeah. even actually some medications can affect um, sort of um, vaginal lubrication, of course. So things like 
the most common thing I think that I see with people is hay fever meds because what are hay fever meds if you're over the counter stuff if we're looking at what they're designed to do they dry out the mucous membranes well the vagina is lined with a mucous membrane so you might have issue there mm-hmm. um, um some SSRIs um, also um, kind of modify the environment as well. So it's just interesting, you know, um, and also really common triggers for people that they've been kind of sailing along for most of their lives with with no issue there at all. A new sexual partner can introduce a different set of microbes into their microbiome because you know everyone has their own individual intimate microbiome whether you're um you know whether you've got a vagina whether you've got a penis what have you um you've each got your own your own microbiome so introduction of kind of new microbes can just upset the balance um so that's quite an often an often seen trigger for the IC certainly in clinics so yeah Sorry, I just, I just noticed somebody's got out of bed and wandering over here. Oh. <laughs> um, so for the for the, the the vast majority of people who maybe get like thrush one time, um, is it something that they can do without having to go and take, like that they can do themselves? I mean, it's difficult because if you if you're experiencing thrush one time and it's your first time, you're most likely just going to pop to the chemist. Mm-hmm. And I think in the vast majority of cases, that's going to be okay because you're probably not going to get thrush and then go right. I need to go and book in with a herbalist. Probably, if it's your first time, it's not going to be your first port of call. That's just realistic. And the things that I would suggest to do if you just have the one off out thrush, you could probably only get from your herbalist. So, like a nice calendula pessary, for example, that would be good for someone who's just this is the first time I've ever experienced, we're going to say thrush and a calendula pessary. I mean, you can try making um, something that would be nice is if you can get marigold, great, but it's not essential. Um, but it would be really nice for thrush. If you just do a sitz bath for yourself with green tea and <laughs> calendula, so marigold, le- leaves, petals, not leaves, petals, um, this might be enough to clear it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, you might want to go and see a herbalist to get a, say, a calendula pessary. Um, but most people are just going to pop to boots. Mm-hmm. Boots comes up again. I have no affiliation. <laughs> boots um, <laughs> you know boots you whatever a chemist a high street chemist you're probably and in most cases it's going to be okay if you really really want to avoid that yeah go and see a herbalist but try this green tea and calendula if you can't get calendula even um just chamomile mm-hmm. like a really nice strong infusion of of green tea and either calendula or chamomile can be really really simple yeah. and if this is something that's not going to be reoccurring for you great great way to fix it um yeah so um and if not you might you might want something a little bit more in which case book in <laughs> mm-hmm, yes <laughs> um yeah i've heard people talking about like yoga and stuff and is that something that you, is like advisable or not advisable it's absolutely fine yeah i mean you can try as long as it's live yogurt without sugar yeah and it's like a plain live yogurt without sugar fine on a tampon, if you want to use a tampon, it can be a bit messy is the main mm-hmm. thing. But I think it's something that women have used for hundreds of years. Yeah. And I suppose I it's like, is it like the bacillus, I guess, 
yeah i don't think it's quite the right strain of lactose right. that we need <laughs> thinking about it i don't think but you know if it if it could be fine to sort it if it's just a one-time thing mm-hmm. um i mean probiotics as well if, uh, over the counter optibac make a good um probiotic for vaginal health called I don't know, it's probably called Woman or something. <laughs> I mean, have a look at their range. Something like this, you could also you could also layer in with that. Um, the one thing that I wouldn't suggest that I see a lot of people, a lot of my clients actually, they've they've been experiencing the issues that they've come to see me with for a long time, mm-hmm. and they've done a lot of research online. They've been to see a lot of different people, um, and the one thing that most people will find if they Google on the internet is putting a clove of garlic. And we think, yeah, sure, that's great. It's natural. Uh-huh. But there's a couple of reasons that I wouldn't do it. One, it can burn. It doesn't mm-hmm. for everyone, but it can do. You don't want a burning fanny more so than it already is. <laughs> yeah. And two, um, garlic is quite indiscriminate in terms of killing and stripping out the microbiome. So because it's so amazingly antibacterial and antifungal, you've, it, yeah, it can not only kill the stuff you wanna kill, but it can also kill the good stuff that you don't wanna kill. Mm -hmm. And then if you're stripping out the microbiome, it might be that this predisposes you to then starting to have ongoing issues. Yeah. Again, of course, I've heard of people that have used their clove of garlic and it's fine. Yeah. There's always those cases, but I would err on the side of caution because you don't want to cause yourself long-term problems, yeah. really, you know. So um, that, as I say, my philosophy is always about nourishing. And when I talk about nourishing, I'm really talking about um, nourishing the environment to support a healthy microbiome. Um, and there are some cases in certain conditions such as um, aerobic vaginitis that you might want to strip out what's going on there because you it's, you really you can't mess around with it um, and then obviously working together with the practitioner you build up the microbiome and the environment again mm-hmm. but yeah for something like like thrush like this I you know that I, I really don't think that's the right approach and you know it kind of almost flies in the face of the way that we've all been trained right you know, when we when we talk about um, kind of gynecological things whilst we're training, and I do think our training is really really good for the whole area of gynecology. Um, yeah, which maybe is in opposition to some other medical professionals training in gynecology, for example, because we see so many female clients that have been let down in in other other places they've gone to basically for help. I'm not I'm not maybe more specific than that but um but you know the standard approach has been that we go in and we use um we might use some essential oils in our pessaries and things like that so which are great because they're antifungal they're antibacterial yada 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 but actually the, the more we learn about the microbiome in the last few years more and more research is coming out um you know we're having to rethink those strategies uh, yeah. and that's why nourishing really is the way forward yeah. yeah, I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Kind of build up rather than kind of necessarily break down all the time. 
yeah <laughs> I mean as I say there's certain times when you're going to want to yeah yeah, um, yeah but um as a rule of thumb I'd say let's let's support the body because this is what we do right we support the body to sort the problem out <laughs> yeah so it's more of that philosophy basically so what about like in um so in pregnancy so I, I hear some practitioners stuff talking about um that you should take uh probiotics like in preparation for birth interesting do you know in what context that they're saying or like kind of general just for like so when for when the baby's coming out of the birth passage that you've got like a good um microbiome there Um, oh yeah so we've got, I don't know what yeah, you so think about. we're also sort of thinking about vaginal seeding and things like that. Obviously, yeah, I guess, they're yeah. being born to the birth canal. Yeah, I th- okay. It's a complex issue. Um, I don't think it's going to do any harm to start with. Make sure of which strains of um, bacteria you're taking, and be really sure of why you're taking anything at any point in life, but especially in pregnancy. We're like, what? so if someone was wanting to do that, we could look at the gut. So we're looking at microbiome uh, probiotics that are more targeted towards gut. Um, but if we're looking specifically for vaginal health, obviously choose choose the right, the right um, probiotics there. Um, and I think there's a lot of testing around um, different conditions before birth. So things that can cause like preterm labor and um, premature rupture of membranes and things like that sort of. So BV is really um, implicated in that. Um, and there's tests, there's there's testing, and it's not generally done in the UK on the National Health Service unless you are in a risk group. Um, but I'm reliably led to, you know, um, reliably informed that's the word that there are sort of lots of kind of chat groups for uh pregnant women talking about whether they should get this testing and you can get it privately and things so i would say don't just be in a state i would really encourage people to not be in a state of fear around things the human body's been doing its thing for a long time and generally we're we're quite a successful species right (laughs) in terms of procreation and and life birth rates and you know those those sorts of things um so and I think this time can be a time where we start to feel the fear the fear for our children you know and I just I just feel that w- whatever you're going to use, know why you're doing it, know if there's a reason to do it rather than just sort of reactively doing it. Um, and I think that's the best advice. I mean, I wouldn't, I would probably want to have those tests myself. I'm just thinking, you know, but um, that's because, you know, you know what you know about it. So if you do have those tests and you see that there's an issue, I would then go and see someone specialising in vaginal health, um, you know, to look at those things. Um, but also try and kind of balance up that sort of fear with, do I actually need this intervention, right? Is it really needed? And for everyone, that risk um, profile is going to look very different. What I may find as risky, you may find as not risky, right? So and that's the same for everyone hello (laughs) cutie that's that's the same for everyone so I don't know if that 
I haven't really given you a definitive answer, but I think hopefully that's that those are some words of advice for people out there if if they're in that position. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's never a really definitive answer anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> Especially not when it comes to vaginas. <laughs> yeah. Would that there were. <laughs> I wonder then, so what about like um, post, like postnatally? Um, you know, like when, when you've kind of, you've had, you've given birth and maybe you're feeling a bit sore and you've got like tears and everything or you've had a pesiotomy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Are there things that you would suggest or that you might do then? yeah so I mean obviously I think if you if you have open wounds they need to start healing a little bit first before we like look at a lot of different interventions but one thing that you can do is having you remember we mentioned calendula so marigold earlier um in the session um having sits baths not everyone has a sits bath if you have a bath at home and you're having baths Use a sits bath. Uh, use a bath um, to have uh, a marigold. Use a marigold infused tea to put into your bath. So this can, as we know, marigold um, calendula can help with granulation of um, of wounds and things, and help that um, wound healing process. And it's a really, really great herb for vaginas. It's like I think almost every client that I see goes away to calendula in their prescription it's just a base one it's just a base one it covers so many bases that we need to cover um so yeah and the way that um people would do that um a couple of ways really you can make a super strong tea but it's going to have to be quite a large volume of tea of marigold leaves and then obviously let that cool to a bath type temperature and add that to your bath or you can the easiest way probably is to um, cut off a foot of a pair of clean tights, um, stuff it full of, um, I would do calendula and oat for this. Um, and you can, if you don't have like oat seed or milky oat straw, which the majority of people don't have, you can just use porridge oats. That's absolutely fine. And stuff the foot of this sock with calendula and oat, uh, yeah, porridge oats tie it off hang it over your hot um tap from your bathtub and just fill your bath that way um you might need a couple of feet i'm just thinking for a whole bath worth but it's got to be strong you've got to make it as strong as you possibly can and that's just going to aid the healing process yeah okay so then if we um sort of continue along that kind of theme Go for so it. um when you've then you've got like if you've got a baby girl for example yeah. I think you write about that in your book don't you and about nappy rash and stuff as well yeah absolutely so I think um when we think about vaginal health we're thinking mainly of women and I think you know that's reasonable to be thinking, <laughs> to be thinking along that way but of course um children female children have vaginas too right I think I touched on it a little bit earlier. They're not um, dominated by lactobacilli and estrogen as they are once you go through, um, once you kind of enter the fertile phase of life. Um, so their microbiomes a slightly different composition. So if we're looking at sort of um, babies, really interestingly, and I, you know, it's probably quite a shock to people when this happens, but... Um, the kind of newly born girl, here she, here she is, you know, she's still under the influence or she still has circulating estrogens from 
the mother because while they're in the womb they're obviously kind of sharing that blood supply and so for the first few weeks of life there can be a bloody discharge which I think can be quite shocking right <laughs> um you know and I don't think it's guaranteed for everyone it depends on the uh, maternal estrogen levels as well um, which are obviously going to be slightly altered in pregnancy but um you know that's something to look out for and then things like nappy rash um you know we need to kind of be aware of any vaginal symptoms um I think as I was saying right yeah right back at the beginning um we need to think about whether that can whether what we're seeing is something that could infer abuse that we're maybe not aware of um you know and there's there's certain things that there's certain signs to look for the kind of um kind of bacterial discharges kind of yellowy discharges and things like that could be um could be signs of that but things like nappy rash i mean that's obviously not going to be inside the vagina but kind of vulval area around the bottom and legs and things and a really nice plain calendula cream can be really good for that both skin healing and very suitable for that area of the body as well just keep things as simple as possible basically make sure that they're dry you know dried often that they're changed often um and those sorts of things um yeah so i mean some nappy rash can be caused by candida as well in which case obviously calendula is a great choice for that again children respond as i'm sure you know children respond really really well to herbs they're such vital little creatures you know and um yeah generally they respond really well with really simple they don't, we don't need to make it complex either so um yeah that would be that would be my advice Oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you is about because um, I'm particularly interested in like um, pelvic health in general, like about like kind of incontinence and things like that. And I think um, do you talk about like vaginal prolapse? Yeah, yeah. I certainly mention it. Yeah, I certainly mention it in the book. I mean, what? Yeah. Wh where would you like to go? What What would you? Yeah. How? how I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I Just mean, like, I, um, is there anything like is there any? I mean, I guess you're not talking about the rest of the kind of pelvic, uh, like, issues, I guess. I guess it's kind of specific to... Yeah, I've chosen really in the book to be specific about the vagina because that often gets missed out right. in almost everything. Because <laughs> um, so... I'm just interested if there's, like, if there's... Her well, if, if you have knowledge generally, it's, I'm just kind of interested if there's herbs that you can use for things like like various the different prolapses and like incontinence and all that kind of thing because I know obviously there's like kind of movement things that you can do yeah I'm just thinking about supporting that with about her supporting that yeah I mean I would be looking first of all as you said to work with um a pelvic uh female pelvic physiotherapist um anecdotally I've heard that um if we look at using withania oil possibly as pessaries or some people have like you just soaked a tampon that could be help but I think this is really a muscular issue mm. um so you know and it's the pelvic floor can be tricky 
when we're using our kind of monkey minds to think about it you know those kind of overthinking parts of our brain because we said we also think that everything is to do with being um hypotonic hypotonic atonic you know not having enough tone but quite often in pelvic physio uh, pelvic health sorry things are caught issues are caused because we've got things are too tight yeah yeah <laughs> um so i'm not going to suggest that we go in necessarily with um things that we might want to go in with relaxant herbs but I think we need a pelvic physio assessment as well to really understand what that issue is and if we do have um hypertonic um situation using um you know vibop might be a nice one to use in that situation Mm -hmm. things that are going to go in and kind of really relax um muscle um there as well um yeah I think with vaginal prolapse the earlier that that can be caught the better I mean often it's um happens to women who have um, happened in pregnancy um I think the more pregnancies um determined that you have is increases your chance but of course that you know that's just that's not a guarantee (laughs) um either but I think really working together with uh, a pelvic health physio is really the way forward I don't think that you're going to get a massive amount of joy just by working with gynecology and herbally we need to know what's going on yeah. we need to know whether we're trying to sort of tone the tissue whether we're trying to sort of relax the tissue yeah yeah I mean probably, yeah I mean I guess it'd be helpful to kind of get like almost like a diagnosis from somebody who can Go internally and see and, and work out exactly what's going on. And then, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, looking at um, kind of, I was thinking actually, um, you know, if we're looking from a physiomedicalist point of view, they talk about um, relaxing and toning the tissue and having specific herbs for specific organs. I'm. I would need personally to do more research, but I don't think it's been done so far to see whether there is like the one herb that we're saying is working either for relaxing and another herb that is either working for sort of tonifying the tissue state of the vagina. And I think that would be really interesting. It's a muscular tube. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really interesting area. I need to think more about that, but it's not. I just keep trying to look into it. Yeah, but I like, think oh, I can't find anything. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's what I should specialize in. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I'm just um, thinking. I oh, where is it? I'm looking on my bookshelf. It's a book that Nim published a while ago, and of course, I can't find it because we're looking. I'm looking for it now, <laughs> and it talks. It's a oh, here we go. Herbal medication. I don't know if it's a priest. It's priest and priest. Ooh. Oh, desecration of the book. Priest and priest. <laughs> Um, you know, this talks a lot about the physiomedicalist um, philosophy and looking at those different tissue states and naming those herbs. So I think it'd be interesting to kind of do work in that area, actually, vaginally. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. That's inspired me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, must write that down. Yeah, um, that would be really interesting. Yeah um okay oh yeah and I just one last question was just about um like trauma and how trauma might affect um 
the, the vaginal area <laughs> yeah massive 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 topic yeah. um, and thank you for asking it because I think it's really 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 important um you know the vagina is an energetic gateway into the body um it's it's a it's a liminal space it's a space of transformation it's a space where a lot of emotion is held um you know we allow partners into that space we birth our children through that space trauma isn't trauma includes many things <laughs> um trauma is um held in the body it's always held in the body as well as the mind but you know in the tissues of the body it doesn't need to be sexual trauma to affect the the vagina and the vagina is a a space talking about this kind of portal um kind of gateway space that we can also is also affected and we can use it to tell whether we feel safe Mm -hmm. so it's affected by our own feeling of safety trauma directly impacts our own feeling of safety you know people will have different responses to different traumas that happen it may affect um you know whether they are comfortable with penetration it may affect their kind of sense whether they can sensate down there and have their the full range of pleasure um it can also really is there such an interesting kind of correlation between emotionally what is going on in the vagina and also the kind of imbalance infection states of the vagina as well which if you look at it on paper it shouldn't be thus ask anyone who has a vagina and they'll say well of course that's absolutely true um, you know, quite often, really interestingly, I see a correlation with certain emotions and, um, yeah, and and certain uh, infection states. I, I really struggle to use that word infection states. It's, it's not a fair way to characterise it. it. Vaginal infections are basically where the microbiome has got out of balance. Calling infections, I think, is a really negative word and we really need to be to guard against using negativity when we're talking about the vagina because trauma can be words right <laughs> it can just be hearing the you know people using the c word in your presence as a derogatory term with said with that kind of violence and things like that um quite often you know with thrush i will see people either who are really angry or they're repressing something that that's quite a broad thing to say but there does seem to be that correlation and then you know we can these imbalanced states that are causing the these issues can be a great way for the body to ensure that no one is going to be penetrating the vagina some people may experience vaginismus because you know that's a very definite no nothing is entering here um and this stuff can be really deep rooted, you know. I mean, obviously, it's the root of our bodies, right? It's it's at that chakral area, you know. It, it's our root, you know. It's our place of creativity, um, and I think, you know, 
if you're experiencing these things rationally, there is definitely is causing or is caused by an energetic block, which then which then knocks on to also affecting your expression in the world and whatever that might be as well, because this is the seat of our creativity. So it's a really complex issue. It's really fascinating. It's something that I am really uh, obviously fascinated by and drawn to because I think one of the reasons that I'm so interested in this work and so passionate about it is because I believe really that the world needs more female leadership, female creativity, female voices. And this is one way that I can impact that, you know, personally. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's complex, it's complex. And, and it, yeah, it, it takes a lot to kind of break through and break mm -hmm. down, but it's a lot, I think a lot of times it's some introspective work that is needed with the client and you can take, you can, suggest these things and then see how that's received because some people might not be ready to hear that information as well which is fine and they might feel it's not relevant and that's fine you know yeah. I mean bringing interesting isn't it yeah like you know people do things in their own time and it's not my job to force that issue or I'm you know they're they are also the experts of their own body so you know they they know much better than I do <laughs> for themselves yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I, yeah, they'll know when they're ready to kind of take a step or whatever. Yeah, yeah because it can be re-traumatising as well. Like, depending on what the trauma is, it can be re-traumatising to work through that. And I think people have to feel oh. in the right space to do that. There's a lot of people who work um, with uh, vaginal and cervical de-armouring. So often using crystal wands to do that. Um, it's a whole movement if you haven't heard about it and you're interested check it out because often um, when trauma is held in the vagina oh. and the cervix it causes numbness as mm. well so we were talking a little bit before about um, ah. about that sort of lack of pleasure um, or lack of sensating pleasure um, and yeah these there's techniques that either you can learn yourself or um, you can actually work with a qualified therapist to work through this so that you de-armor so the armoring process is kind of like the hardening the desensitization um as a form of defense i suppose um yeah and you know that that's something that can be done it's interesting it's really really interesting again one of these areas <coughs> it's going to be a lifetime study for me so yeah 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 i mean it's crazy just how much like this I don't know I don't think we kind of we think or we kind of give credit to how much trauma affects every part of the body yeah 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 absolutely I mean <clears throat> one thing I do want to mention that totally ties in with that is about the vagus nerve the wanderer the is it 10th cranial nerve um so the vagus nerve innovates the majority of our organs and what have you in our also um it innovates um the vagina as well um two branches branch off from vagus nerve to innovate um both the more superficial areas of the vulva and mons and the the kind of first third of the vaginal canal and then you have another nerve that is innovating the deeper two-thirds vagina cervix what have you anyone says that the cervix can't feel quite often 
that's used to you know for people to be having procedures there because the cervix can't detect anything have no have no feeling that's not true um <laughs> massively not true um and of course the vagus nerve is kind of connected into a lot of the rest of our body and to our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems so we're hardwired right for that trauma to be going everywhere <laughs> um you know and yeah. i think looking at a lot of vagal techniques are really interesting as well yeah yeah it's a lot it's a big subject <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> <is> so cool <laughs> but that's good isn't it because then it gives you a lot more to kind of keep going keep looking oh into God. yeah 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 like the day anyone stops learning like you know well I'm not going to finish that sentence <laughs> but you know learning is a lifelong uh, yeah. journey isn't it and it just it really enriches lives so yeah yeah great thank you so much for your time um my absolute pleasure thank you for having me and uh, yeah can you if you just can say where people can kind of get in contact with you and get your book and get the lube and everything that'd be yeah good. yeah of course yes yeah. so you can get hold of me or you can find my stuff at into the wild.com and wild is w-y-l-c-e um so into the wild.com <clears throat> excuse me um I think I'm going to be in the next few months. So we're November 22. In the next few months, I may be resurrecting my... So, so intothewild.com is for the lube. You can also um, find the book on there and a couple of other downloadables and things. You can find out more about me. You can find out about all the things that I do. Um, but it's primarily for the lube. Um, yeah, I might be resurrecting in the next few months my own personal website, which would be thewildherbalist.com, but I'm not sure yet. So have a think and ch check out if we're like spring 23 onwards you might find me there but into the wild.com um and yeah i'm on instagram kathy bishop the wild herbalist and into the wild and on facebook as well so if you want to check out the book um you can if you go to the eon website um, and type in it's your pal portal brilliant um you can get a free kind of downloadable of the first few pages um sort of contents and the beginning of the book as well so um have a check out um there. i think they're also going to be doing a discount um code which will be written in the notes brilliant yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they do that so yeah so um i'd love to hear i'd love to you know be in touch with people also just to let people know if you know if there are practitioners listening and you're interested in wild one we've got um a practitioner scheme which allows people to sell wild one at, like to buy wild one from us at a, like a wholesale type price and then obviously they can sell it in the clinic as well um I, I will mention it you know we've got about 70 practitioners from across different disciplines in the uk signed up at the moment to that scheme um and yeah i mean we'll be very happy to hear from you if you're one of those people um Honor to support you so <laughs> that's great thank you you're so welcome and thank you for asking <laughs> thank you very much